Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real, and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. We're going to jump into the Scripture. How many appreciate John Porres' word? That's a good word, John. Yes, sir. Proverbs chapter 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, King of Israel. Their purpose, someone say their purpose, is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Verse 3 says this, and their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives and to help them do what is right and just and fair. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank You for every man, every woman within the sound of my voice, every child in our kids' space right now, every person that would watch online, whether later in podcast form, Father, I I lift them up to You. They are Your sons and they are Your daughters. And Holy Spirit, I I welcome You in this moment. I honour You in this moment. Elevate Jesus in this place, in every heart and every mind. Flow through Your servant that it might bless Your people. Unlock some things that have been hidden or blinding them. Unlock parts of their lives where they perhaps don't realise it might be holding them back. Equip them for the work of ministry. God, that we might as a collective body and families and individuals become all we're meant to become in Jesus name that we might do all we're meant to do Father I declare this place blessed I declare your people blessed and I declare they are yours by your grace pray this simple prayer say Jesus speak to my heart use your word as a scalpel as sandpaper that would encourage that would teach that would shape my life the way it needs to. Anoint me to hear Your Word, to do it, to be a blessing wherever I go. In Your powerful Name I pray. And Church of Life said, Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand one more time. Praise God, praise God. Why don't you grab your seat and turn to the person next to you and tell them, I'm gonna eat some turkey this week. Everyone on the count of three, you're going to shout out your favourite food for Thanksgiving. One, two, three. Sounded like the Tower of Babel. Um, How many like titles of sermons? Anyone like titles? There's one man in our church, he's like, you forgot to tell us the title. So if you like titles, here it is. The Forgotten Path to Thankfulness. Some say, ooh, Someone's got, some say it's got a little mystery to it. The forgotten path to thankfulness. I grew up reading uh, The Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, it's one of those books I read for some reason a lot. Maybe it's because it was just near me. Uh, I also saw the movie. And it, it was one of those books that shaped, I believe, my Christian life uh, as, a, as a young man, I, I literally read it probably 10, 11, 12 at different stages. And, and it, it's funny over the years how many times I've thought back to that book. 
Um, I've also enjoyed the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I mean, how many Lord of the Rings fan? Yeah, how many just can't stand it? You hate it. You you're like, oh, look at the monsters. That's so yeah, yucky and evil. That's my wife. She's like, I'm like, babe, I feel like watching Lord of the Rings, and she's like, I just can't handle it. And and uh, anyway, then she goes and I don't know, watches a chick flick or something. <laughs> um, out of these movies is this recurring theme of wrong paths and right paths. If they take the wrong path, it will take them longer, it will be more dangerous, uh, but most of the times they'll learn something when they've taken a wrong path. How many know you've taken some wrong paths in your life and you've learned something, haven't you? And often you learn more out of the wrong paths than sometimes the right paths because pain is an amazing teacher. You might think certain people are amazing teacher. No, 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 pain is better than all of them. Why? Because when you're in pain, you listen. When, when you're in pain, you go, I'm not as good as I think I am. When, when you're in pain, it, it literally says, wait, do I wanna do this again? And you quickly find that pain is your best teacher many times. Not because there are not lessons everywhere in life, it is because you are listening. Someone say, today, it's a good day to listen. Here's the truth of the matter. You cannot be a disciple without discipline. You cannot be a disciple without discipline. The path of the Christian life is the path of discipleship. Along that path is joy. Along that path is peace. Along that path is love. Along that path is wisdom. Along that path is many factors of the Christian life, but I can guarantee you that part of the path that you and I must walk is the path called discipline. Now, you, I know you're getting excited already, like I can't wait for more of this sermon. Uh, Pastor Anthony, yes, preach to me about discipline. I wanna discipline myself. I, I can feel it already. I feel it in the room. But let me say it again, you cannot be a disciple and every believer is called to be a disciple. In fact, if you're not a disciple, are you believing? You cannot be a disciple without discipline. The Apostle Paul's imagery of the Christian is not of someone who goes to church occasionally. He tells Timothy that he's a soldier. He tells him to fight the good fight. In the book of Corinthians, he tells them to run the race like they are an Olympic athlete. They had to treat themselves like they have something important to do, that there is an assignment on their life, that they had to throw away things that would stop them and hinder them and make them go slower. To the Philippian church, he told them, everyone who is mature should have this view that there is a pressing forward in the faith. It, it's not, are you a Christian 20 years and 30 years? I would, I would warn you today, if you're a Christian 20 years and 30 years and you're not pushing forward, you're not mature. Paul said, everyone who is mature in Philippians chapter three says there is a pressing forward and a forgetting of what is behind. Someone say everyone. So you can be a Christian for 30 years, even have a theology degree in Christianity, but there, if, there, if there is little sacrifice to your Christianity anymore, you are actually shrinking back and not maturing. Because I should be becoming more 
I promise you, if I'm really following Jesus, He's not just like, you know what, you followed me for 10 years. Now let's sit on your lazy boy chair for the next 20. That's not Jesus. That's the government. Oh, I didn't say that. I didn't, I didn't say that. Hmm. <laughs> Let me read this scripture again, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 3. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives and to help them do what is right and just and fair. Let's read this together. You ready? Their purpose. Now stop for a second. How many of you have ever read a self-development book, self-help book? Anyone read one? About nine of us. Good. <laughs> You're like, why do I need help? <laughs> I'm amazing the way I am. <laughs> before, before the self-help gurus of the day, the podcast, the, the books, was a billion dollar industry, Solomon wrote this book and I would call this the self-help book of Christianity. Thousands of years ago, Solomon writes this for our very practical and spiritual lives. And if you are a teenager, or in your 20s, especially teens and 20s, this is your book, people. Just wanna tell you right now, it'll save you pain. Just wanna tell you that right now. Let's read this together. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives and to help them do what is right, just and fair. How many think that sounds good? How many think that's a self-help book you should buy? Okay, it's found in the middle of the Bible. Open it right in the middle, 31 chapters, and it's gold, and it's been blessing my life for 27 years. Someone say amen. I've been reading this book for 27 years, the book of Proverbs, primarily. It's probably the book I've read more than any other, maybe because someone told me many years ago, read a chapter or read one chapter per day and there's 31 chapters and there's 31 days in most months and you'll read it monthly. They said, if you read a proverb a day, it'll keep stupidity at bay. <laughs> and I had a lot of stupidity to keep at bay, so I had to read it a lot. But let me jump into five lessons I think we need to lean from and glean from in this. Proverbs chapter one, verse 10 says this, my child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. They may say, come and join us. Notice they're luring. Let's hide and kill someone. These are not just playful people doing stupid things. These are evil people doing evil things. Let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit of death. Think of the great things we'll get. In other words, we're gonna hurt people and we are gonna profit. We'll fill our houses with all the stuff we take. Come throw in your lot with us. We'll share the loot. My child, don't go along with them. Stay far away from their paths. What is this speaking of? It's actually speaking of gangs. Now, most of you in here aren't getting lured into the gang life. However, one of the men who came to our church a number of years ago was in a gang. When he left the gang, because he was serious about his commitment to Christ, 
there was a ritual in the gang that when he left the gang, he had to stand there and four men basically beat the crap out of him for about three minutes and then he was able to leave. How many, how many know that's not good? I hugged him that Sunday and didn't realise that he was like, ooh, 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 because he'd actually, his ribs had been massively bruised. But why would anyone join a gang? Because there's something luring about it. Friendship is given. Fun is given. Perhaps drugs are given. A good time is given. And perhaps you've got nothing better to do. But let me just take it away from a gang. Let's just talk about people who lead you down the wrong track. Now, many Christians sometimes naively say, but Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus influenced sinners. Jesus was a friend of sinners. But the question is, how many know Jesus didn't become more like his sinners? They became more like him. The best question to ask if you're hanging out with the right people, are you actually the influencer or are you being influenced? Are you being lured into bad places or are you actually helping them attend church perhaps or, or just become a better person and, and greater character? I talked to that man a number of years later or a, a few months later after that happened and I said, what, what about all your friends? And he said, oh, they're all in jail. Tell me who your friends are, I'll tell you who you are. My first big point to you today is this, discipline yourself not to be influenced by fools and you will be thankful. Discipline yourself not to be influenced by fools and here's the thing, and you'll be thankful. Um, number of years ago, I won't say which child, but we had fixed our fence. Um, and I didn't realize I hadn't checked our fence next to the neighbor's fence like it was secure or not. And our little two and a half year old was walking around and I went down to my mother-in-law's and Miriam went inside and then she calls me and she's like, hey, do you have this child? I was like, no. And my wife literally screamed. She was like, I don't know where she is. We don't know what's going on. I drive back as quick as I can to our house and we're searching for our two and a half year old. I'm looking in the, the, the basement, the, the attic, and every 30 seconds is getting more and more tenuous and, and we are getting stressed. I ran down to a neighbor's house where we used to go and the kids used to play a lot. Hey, is, 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 is she here? No, she's not here. I ran down the other street. Police began to show up. It was a 15 to 20 long minutes. She had somehow broken the boundary of the fence and the fence was not secure between our house and the next house. And uh, she had actually gone in and she'd climbed thankfully under the pool, not on top of the pool. And she was kind of just playing in the mud there. And we hear her saying, dirty, dirty. And we found her, I jumped this six foot fence like it was one foot and I grabbed my daughter and was uh, just absolutely thrilled. Check the fences of your life. You'll be thankful you did. My second point to you today is this. Discipline yourself. Someone say discipline. Discipline yourself to embrace God's sexual boundaries and you will be thankful. Discipline yourself to embrace God's sexual boundaries and you'll be thankful. I've been around long enough now 
seen enough marriages, heard enough stories that doing whatever you want, whenever you want, I found that it just breaks hearts and breaks lives and breaks families. Over the years, I've seen enough stories. I've heard enough. Thank God the house of God is a house of restoration. Thank God the house of God is a place of forgiveness, a place of mercy, but it is a place where the boundaries have to be set. Where we're not just listening to our culture, but we're listening to the one who made us. Listen to what Proverbs chapter five says, verse three. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey. It looks good. Someone say, looks good. And and her mouth is smoother than oil, but in the end, she's as bitter as poison. As dangerous as a double-edged sword, her feet go down to death, her steps lead straight to the grave, for she cares nothing about the path of life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't realise it. So now my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I'm about to say. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honour. Someone say discipline yourself. Our culture hates the message of God on this. And it seems to becoming more and more antagonistic towards it. It became, it, it, it kind of spiraled in the 60s, the sexual revolution, uh, but it is causing mayhem in our culture. There's no question about it. I thank God that we, we have a church where it's really helping people navigate this, understanding that because we live in a sexually very permissive and everything's available from Netflix and TV and Instagram and phone, all this kind of stuff. It's, it's so available. And so more than anything else, I have a heart of restoration around it. No, not so much a heart of here's the law and do the law, but most people have a level of brokenness in this. But, but I, I'm so glad to hear the stories. I, I heard a story recently of a man who divorced his wife and uh, he just went on the first date with her again because he's trying to reconcile with her. And it's a beautiful, beautiful story. Can someone say amen? Come on, give that a hand. Come on, give it a real hand like it really matters. First Corinthians 13 says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with what? What does it rejoice with? What does love rejoice with? Love isn't just feelings. There's four different types of love. Agape love is the love of God. There's phileo love, is friendship love. There's eros love, that's sexual love. And then there's storge love, which is really steely kind of friendship commitment love and, and all of those. But when you talk about the love that God is talking about, you're talking about a love that rejoices with the truth. Ronald Reagan wrote a letter to his son right before his marriage. And I thought it was a, a, a very interesting letter because he's trying to encourage his son on how to behave. And he said this, some men feel their masculinity can only be proven if they play out in their own life or the locker room stories, smugly confident that what the wife doesn't know won't hurt her. He said, the truth is somehow way down inside without her ever finding lipstick on the collar or catching a man in the flimsy excuse of what he was still or where he was until 3 a.m., a wife does know. And that knowing some of the magic disappears. 
There are more men griping about marriages who kick the whole thing away themselves than there can ever be wives deserving of blame. I thought that was amazing, amazing insight from a father who wanted his son to do marriage well. Now, some of the teachings of Scripture, obviously about action, someone say action, but some of the teachings of Scripture obviously speak to the virtual world that you and I are in right now. And I want to give you a couple of statistics on um, pornography for a moment. If you're young in here, save yourself pain. And let me say it really clearly, stay the hell away from it. You'll be glad you did. You literally will be glad you did. Um, being married to a porn viewer increases your odds of depression by 43%. Women generally experience a 40% reduction in self-esteem after marrying a man who views porn. Uh, testing out a partner for marriage by having premarital sex increases the odds of divorce to 75%. Women generally experience a 40% reduction in self-esteem. Oh, already read that one, thank you. And a lack of prior sexual experiences and partners actually increases odds of sexual satisfaction, contrary to the myth that having more partners increases sexual responsiveness and pleasure. Isn't that good? You know what concerns me sometimes when I talk to, to dads and they say, oh, my kid won't get off the gaming system. And I'm like, you're the parent. Uh, all they do is look at their phone. Take it away. Oh, but all their friends do it. Who cares? Um, how many know candy's good? Someone say yes. Someone say chocolate. How many want a little bit of chocolate, a little bit of candy sometimes? Yeah. How many are gonna have a little pumpkin pie maybe this Thanksgiving and a little cream on top maybe? Or I don't know, your apple pie, your ice cream. I don't know what your thing is. Favorite dessert, anyone? Cheesecake. That was terrible. <laughs> Priscilla literally looked at me like, I'm the healthiest person alive. <laughs> Who else? Flan, someone said. Flan, completely overrated. Yep. <laughs> tres leches, tres leches. Flan just, it just, I don't know, it just shakes and it's, it's weird and it just, it, it looks like it's slime, kind of gooey. Um, yeah, anyway, anyone else? What do we got? Granolis, granolis. I know what you meant, I just can't say it. Cannolis, there you go, cannolis, yes. It took me a moment. I was like, granola? Yeah. <laughs> um, but how many of you know you can't eat that all the time? Having young children and teens and, and 20s and 30s on a phone all the time is like giving them ice cream all the time. It's candy for the mind. It's fine sometimes, but it does need some restraint. And the more that you give kids phones, how many know, you know, you used to go back in the day, you go to Blockbuster and choose a movie and you used to, to get to the R-rated section or the, the, the adult only section that almost be like a, a curtain and you couldn't go past there and now you just give people phones. Be wary of it. What I'd encourage, especially men, is just talk to someone about it. 
No one's surprised if, you, if you're doing it. No one's surprised if you're struggling with it. Talk to someone about it. Be transparent, be vulnerable. James chapter five gives us the pathway to freedom. He says, confess your faults one to another. Someone say amen. Um, your smartphone will become a dumb phone. Some of you might need to buy a flip phone. I could never do that. Yeah, maybe you should. Anyway, if you'll discipline yourself to embrace God's sexual boundaries, I believe you'll be thankful. Number three, discipline yourself not to be lazy or a workaholic and you'll be thankful. It's funny how it's both, isn't it? Um, John C. Maxwell says this, you have to know yourself to grow yourself. So do you head towards laziness? Then you need to read scriptures on laziness and overcoming laziness. But do you, do you head towards being perhaps more the workaholic? You've got to un- understand that God gave you a day off for a reason. He says, listen, I'm gonna work six. I'm gonna give you a day off because your mind and your soul, it, it needs it because you'll become shallow if you don't. And often you will burn out. I've known pastors and leaders and read their books and many leaders who grew big, big churches, they burnt out because they failed to take a day off. A day off is a sacred thing. But hear me me on this, work is a sacred thing. Um, Our culture probably heads more towards laziness than it does towards workaholicness, if that's even a good word. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 10, verse four says, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring me wealth. I remember my brother-in-law having a conversation with me. He's a very successful guy. I was probably 21, 22, 23. And he had this interesting conversation with me. He said, Anthony, you need to put more pressure on yourself. He said, you're too casual. You're, you're getting up late, but you're, you, at that time I'd, I'd, I graduated, but I was looking for a job. I didn't have a job yet. And he's like, you're getting up at like eight o'clock and then you're gonna work out. Then you're gonna pray. He's like, no, 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 get a job. And it was the best thing he could have said to me. Why? Because a man in their 20s, how many know you need a job? Like you need a job. <laughs> when the government says, I'm gonna give you more than the, the, the boss will pay you, take less money. That was the, when COVID paid people more to stay at home than they did to work, that there's nothing godly about that. It is literally trying to create a weak culture. It's out of a Marxist playbook that is literally hates God. If you do a little research on Karl Marx, Karl Marx hated God and literally ruined countries out of his ideology. And there's nothing Christian about laziness. I remember T.D. Jakes talking about this. He was, his family is from Nigeria and he said, Nigeria, laziness is like a curse word. Do you know the number one earning demographic in America um, on average who earns the most is Indians from India. Number three, Nigerians. Interesting statistic, right? They, they value family and they value hard work. The number one earning demographic in America today is Asians, uh, Asians, uh, sorry, Indians, and number three is Nigerians. Value hard work. Proverbs chapter 10, verse four. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Watch this now again. The hand of the diligent, Proverbs 12, 24. The hand of the diligent will do what? 
The hand of the what? The diligent. Can I ask you a question? Who's stopping you from being diligent? Who's stopping you from being diligent? Who needs to kick up the bum? And I preach this because I wish I got this a little earlier. The diligent hand will rule. It says this, but the lazy man will be forced, will, will be put to forced labour. Labor. In the New Testament, uh, the apostles would use language like this, if you don't work, you don't eat. And how many know once you get hungry enough, you go, you know what, I might as well go get a job. They literally told them, now it was different if they were crippled and they could not work. But if it was an able-bodied person, they were literally like, if you don't work, you don't eat. In our culture, that sounds harsh, but that was the biblical way because it taught people the value of work. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it as under the Lord. Let me, um, it's funny, I'm preaching a message as we're going into Thanksgiving. And what I'm not saying is don't take days off. And what I'm absolutely not saying is don't eat some really good food and have a really good time. I plan on eating some really good food and having a really good time and having a couple of days off for the glory of God and for the good of me. That's not what I'm saying. But I wanna give you this quote by Stephen Mansfield. He says this, Fathers are to sons what blacksmiths are to swords. It is the job of the blacksmith not only to make a sword, but also to maintain its edge of sharpness. It is the job of the father to keep his son sharp and save him from the dullness of foolishness. He gives his son that sharp edge through discipline. Now hear me now, our God is a father. Our God is a father. And so what does He do to every man and every woman? He comes alongside them if they're sons and daughters and He disciplines them. It's interesting sometimes in our praise and worship, we say, Jesus, just, just, and I love the song, just the mention of Your Name. Just the mention of Your Name. But I found over the years, God does miracles. God answers prayer. But hear me now, sometimes, most of the way He acts is, okay, I'm gonna teach you how to behave. God, fix my bank account. Why am I waiting so long, Lord? Because it's not just the mention of His name, it's the essence of His character. I've, I've never gone home after church and angels were doing my dishes. Wouldn't that be awesome? Gabriel, what are you doing? Oh, just fixing your sink. It's a bit of a disaster. We had women healed, a resilient woman, backs healed, and a couple of diseases healed, and all kinds of good things. But God teaches character. God teaches character. I, for years I hear, heard people pray about their marriages. Lord, fix my marriage. It's like, okay, go to work. Like, oh shoot. 
I just want you to fairy dust it, Lord. No, he says, no, I want, I want to do something in you. I've never woken up in the morning on Sunday morning and God wrote my sermon. Sermons take work. I never woke up. He's like, here you go, Anthony. There, there. Sleep a little more. Why don't you wake up at 10 to 9 and just show up and read it? He's never, ever done it. Never. Our men know this in, in Transformers, so do our ladies. Like, how do you change your life? One little bit at a time. One step, one action, one, one bit of diligence, one bit of intentionality. I was speaking to a, a young man in our church. He's not as young as he used to be, but well, none of us are, are we? It's the deepest thought some of you got today. What'd you learn today in church? I'm not as young as I used to be. He said something to me and we're very close. And so I had the liberty to have this conversation with him. He said, oh, you know, I just want to work a few hours a month. And we said, I just kind of went, what's he talking about? I grabbed him a little later, a day later. So I said, hey man, let's have a five minute conversation. I said, hey, you said this line and I don't know where you got it from. But I said, there's nothing manly about it and there's nothing Christian about it. There's nothing manly about it. Now, if you've got millions of dollars in the bank and you can chill, good for you. But still, God still wants you to work. For He saved you to work. Ephesians 2 verse 10. We are God's workmanship. God's working on us so that we might do good works. So if you're a billionaire one day and multimillionaire one day, cool. Keep making disciples. Keep working. Is that good? It's been here for a while. <laughs> has anyone ever said to you, be more like Jesus? How we know that when someone says that to you, you're kind of like, I don't know what that means. If I'm honest in Christian circles, well, I be more like Jesus. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my bread and I'm going to break it. Start handing it out to people, see if it multiplies. <laughs> I'm going to try walking on water. What I love about the four faces of God in Revelation 4 and Ezekiel 1 is it shows one person, but three other beings. One is a lion, one is an ox, one is an eagle, and one is a man. If I'd say to you today, how could you be more like Jesus? I would say this to you, be like an ox. Sacrifice. Be diligent. Be like an eagle, honour, vision. Be like a lion, strong, courageous. And then man, a woman, the greatest two things. The Old Testament, if I tell you one thing, the Old Testament would say seek wisdom. The New Testament would say seek love. Let me say that again. The Old Testament would say, seek wisdom. The New Testament would say, seek love. 
So if I'm going to become more like Jesus, what does that really mean? I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to live with vision. I'm going to live with honour. And I'm going to grow in love. And I'm going to grow in wisdom. How many people need to hear that? Now, how many know that that doesn't come easy? No, that's a work of the Spirit, a work of the Word, a work of people, both the people who are good for you and bad for you, forgiving people, people that irritate you. You ever been irritated by people? Don't worry, they're helping you become more like Jesus. You're excited to get on a serving team, you get on a serving team, you find someone irritates you on the serving team. It's fine. Forgive them, move on. Are you with me? Goodness. All right, last one. I don't have more time. Discipline yourself to speak the truth and you'll be thankful. Discipline yourself to speak the truth and you'll be thankful. How many of you remember the name Bertie Madoff? Known for lying, scheming and stealing. Lies burn relationships. Lies cause bondage of the soul to the person who tells them. Lies ruined the world. Lies continue to ruin the world. One of the reasons I speak about the nonsense of gender fluidity and why that must be rejected is because it's lies. And it ruins lives. And it will continue to ruin lives. Proverbs chapter 8 says this, Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true. For my lips detest wickedness and all the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. Now skip on down to verse 32. It says this, Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. How many want to be blessed? What's the book of Proverbs talking about? He's talking about disciplining yourself so that you have less pain later. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. Watch this now. For those who find me, find life. Do you have time for one more quote? Who can give me five more minutes? Come on, who can give me five more minutes? Five more minutes, five more minutes, five more minutes, five more minutes, five more. Jim Rohn says this, we must all suffer one or two things, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Isn't that good? Jim Rohn will help you, let me tell you. We must all suffer one or two things, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. I'm gonna give you my last point today. I told you number four was last, but it's not. Number five, discipline yourself to exercise thankfulness. Discipline yourself to exercise. How many want to be thankful? I did something in the last few days. I wrote down a hundred reasons why I'm thankful over the last three days. It's interesting, the more I did it, the more I was enjoying it. Just, I just wrote down a hundred things I'm thankful for and the next day I did it and then this morning I did it. Just wrote down a hundred things. I started thinking of people like, why am I thankful for this person and this person and this person? Because thankfulness is something we are to be 
But don't wait for your feelings. Don't wait for you to wake up Thursday morning hoping you're more thankful than you normally be. Imagine this, like, I'm just gonna be so much more thankful on Thanksgiving, I'm not sure why. We give thanks, we exercise thankfulness. And then out of that, it's funny, we start feeling full. Start feeling full, start feeling like, oh, I am blessed. Do you know, if you have a car, how many have a car? You're in the top 8% of wealth in the world. If you have over $96,000, you're worth. Do you know you're in the top 10% of wealth in the world? Yeah, it's crazy, right? Larry's like, ooh. Google it. Research, fact check me. 96, you're the top 10% of wealth in the world. Yet some people will make you feel like you're, you're, you're bound. Everyone's stopping you. I got news for you. It's a lie. I was, I was telling my kids the other day, they were saying, oh, Daddy, you mean I've got to do the dishes. I love those moments. You know the funny conversation I had? I told my daughters, I was like, do you know it wasn't that long ago in the history of mankind where I'd have to send you out with a bucket to a well to go get it? And you want to complain about putting some cutlery in the dishwasher? They didn't laugh like you did. They just had these blank stares. Like they didn't get it at all. You're like, what do you mean? We just do this, the water comes out. I just do this, poo poo goes. I... We don't realize how blessed we are. And living in Deuteronomy, I think it's Deuteronomy 8, but God tells the children of Israel how to be thankful. He says, whenever you feel like you're thankful, give thanks. No, He doesn't say that. You're like, really? Is that what He did? No, He didn't at all. He says, when you come to me, you're gonna bring an offering. And here's what you're gonna say. My family used to be in Egypt, but God rescued us. Because He knew one day when they stepped into a promised land that freedom was gonna become normal. And they would, they would think it was just the way it always was. And he's like, no, no, no. When you come and you bring a gift, you're to remember what I did for you. And every time we do an offering in our church, don't just disconnect from it. Bring an offering and go, God, thank you. Thank you for what you did for me on the cross. Come on, close your eyes. Father, I thank You so much for Your grace, Your mercy, Your Spirit. I thank You for the wisdom of Your Word. I thank You that You are a Father and You go to work on our character. Oh God, I'm thankful for the wisdom of Scripture. I thank You, Jesus, for it. Lord, would You lead Your people and speak to Your people in whatever way they might need it. 
Holy Spirit, speak to them about any area of discipline that they might need it. Speak to me where I might need it. God, guide your people. Lord, let any heaviness or any shame or guilt lift off people, but let it be a life-giving conviction of the Holy Spirit in whatever area they might need it. Lord, breathe life, I pray, all across this church. Lord, and help us. Lord, be thankful. Lord, this season, but not this season every day. God, teach us, I pray. In Your mighty Name. Eyes closed all across this place. Maybe you're in this place today and you didn't realise all that Jesus did for you. You hear people singing about the wonder of Jesus. You see the Name of Jesus big on our screens and, and there was like something on the inside begins to draw you and say, I died for you. I, I love you. I have a plan for your life. That emptiness that you feel many times in your own soul, that's because there's a gap between me and you. But I wanna fill it. And I wanna forgive you and I wanna cleanse you and I wanna, I wanna adopt you into my family. Maybe you're here today and you've never been adopted into the family of God. How are we adopted into the family of God? We're adopted by the blood. We're adopted by the payment that Jesus made. When He died on the cross, He made a payment so that He could sign our adoption papers. What is your response? Your response is to turn. Your response is to trust. Your response is to look at the love of God and say, God, if you, you love me so much, you do this for me. I can't but do anything but follow you. It's all across this place. All across this place. Maybe you've never met Jesus before. And if that's you today, I'm gonna quickly ask you to raise your hand and raise it up high. And maybe you're coming back to Him today, dude. Maybe today you feel like, man, I've been far away, far away. All across this place, would you raise your hand, raise it up high, long enough for me to see it. I'm gonna pray for us in a moment. Thank you. All across this place, raise your hand. Holy Spirit, draw every person that needs to come to receive you, to come back to you in Jesus' name. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you so much that you love me that much to die for me right now I ask you to come into my life I turn to you to trust in you not myself help me become all you desire in Jesus name while eyes are closed I just want to do it one more time just so I can see the hands that were raised today if you prayed that prayer today and you meant business with God, would you quickly let me know by raising your hand, raising it up high. Thank you. Hands going up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome today. You can put your hand down. Father, I thank you for every hand, every heart in the awesome, awesome name of Jesus. Come on, if you received God's Word today, would you give the Lord a hand in the house of